Welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Let's get started. This week on the podcast, Dwayne speaks with Steve Carter and Bavik Desai about our recent release, AOS 5.19. This one's full of features, and Dwayne highlights some of the more notable items. I'd love to hear from the community about what excites you in this release, so you can ping me at Nutanix Nation on Twitter and let me know. So with that, let's join the conversation. Today we are welcoming the two people at Nutanix that have the highest counts in their Patreon memberships. The gentlemen of Nutanix, Bavik Desai and Steve Carter. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Dwayne. Good to be here. Thanks, Dwayne. Yeah, now maybe some of the Patreon stuff wasn't true, but definitely the gentlemen of Nutanix. Uh, Maybe just let's go around the horn, introduce yourself and what you've been up to, and uh, we'll get maybe started on some 5.19 updates. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm Steve Carter. I'm the uh, PMM for HCI here at Nutanix. Um, used to be an SE, so you know, got uh, some experience kind of on the on the field side as well. But yeah, happy to be here talking about five nineteen. Steve, you're kind of modest because I can remember when I was an SE and you were in engineering at one point. So you've been you've been around the walls for a while. That's true. Didn't necessarily want to give my full life story, but yeah, I've been I've been here for a while. Describe the time when you were five and your feelings were hurt. <laughs> Do you have all day, Dwayne? Yeah. No. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> Go yeah, ahead, I'm, Bavik. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bavik Desai. I've been at Nutanix uh, four and a half years. Uh, I work in the TME team with Dwayne. So uh, Dwayne keeps us uh, interested and involved with his uh, jokes um, and uh, my my focus area is uh, I I'm the TME for all things AOS. Those are two actually pretty broad areas, I guess HCI and AOS probably covering a large swath. So obviously you're you're a bit busy. Um, Five point nineteen is actually officially out as we're recording today, and I guess maybe just uh, you know anecdotally maybe. Steve, what uh, out of the release? What would you say your your favorite update from that is? Yeah, so you know, um, I think I think the, the, one of the big ones this release is the security updates, especially related to you know the integrated KMS uh, within Nutanix. Um, and so, so one of the big features related to that is that it's now built into uh, or can be used remotely uh, from Prism Central. So if you have remote clusters. You don't need to deploy a KMS at each remote site. You can you can store that locally, um, and then those sites really just need access to Prism Central in order to boot up and unlock the drives. Um, and so this is obviously a really pertinent topic today. I mean, it feels like it always is, but it gets more pertinent as time goes on. Um, and then we've also uh, kind of related, there's a multi-cluster key backup. So if you have disparate KMS spread across multiple data centers or whatnot, you can now back those up. Um, to Prism Central for easy recovery. I did lose one of my uh, Skidoo keys, so I can see why you'd want a backup key for sure. <laughs> the it's so like the 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 KMS at least for a, a three node cluster was already around. You could already do that and have it deployed locally. You didn't need Prism Central. So what what are some things that 
Are there any gotchas with deploying it today, or is it pretty just as long as you have a three node Prism Central, you're good to go? Yeah, thanks for for drawing that out. So yeah, I mean, you know, the way that we protect the keys is with the same way that we protect our data. Really, you know, you have three uh, three nodes, and it keeps um, you know a quorum, so that you know if if there's some sort of corruption or something on one of the nodes, it can be resolved and and fixed. And so the same thing is how we protect keys. Um, so this actually extends to one and two node clusters, and that's one of the beauties of it. I think that's one of the challenges with trying to deploy a KMS um, on a one or two node cluster is that you can't you can't get that quorum with that few of nodes. Um, so that's why this enables support for those really small sites. Um, and so, yeah, like you mentioned, you do need a three-node Prism Central instance, though, for uh, for this to work. This is where I insert some random joke about the U.S. election being a Canadian and having things encrypted at <laughs> at voting stations. But I that's probably a rat hole, but it makes me laugh anyway. And, and yourself, Bavik, what... What was your kind of major feature out of the release? So, so in five nineteen five eighteen was actually a very big release from terms of uh, AOS and core uh, for Nutanix. Five nineteen uh, did not have uh, many big features from an AOS perspective, but from AHV's perspective, there were a couple of them uh, from a usability standpoint, which improved a, a lot. Uh, so, a couple of them were uh, with uh, network uh, usage. We uh, set up the way our networks are set up uh, in Prism Central and Prism Element uh, and introduced a new concept called Virtual Switch uh, and replaced the terminology, the, the bridge terminology that we used before. So even now we can have Virtual Switch objects set up uh, uh, to manage your physical network management right from the GUI itself rather than doing it from the CLI. Does, and that, then the, does that mean we can now create virtual distributed switches inside of Prism? No, we cannot uh, create virtual distributed switches. It's just the concept of the uh, the bond in OVS that we had before, uh, mm, and and uh, people had a tough time managing it from the CLI. We just uh, brought that concept onto Prism, and it made, made made it much more easier to show the mappings between your uh, network segmentations. And then the next one was uh, uh, doing uh, cross container VDIS migration. So moving VDISCs in a VM from a particular container, container is a logical entity where storage policies are set in Nutanix. So uh, having a capability to move VDISC in a VM from one container to another container, depending on different storage policies. So uh, while while the VMs are up, uh, so that feature came in 5.19. It's a container was a great, were to use for a storage container when the company started, but now it's just pretty confusing. There's too many <laughs> containers yeah. rolling around the industry. Yeah, you have, have to specify it's a storage container, <laughs> not the Kubernetes one. Yeah, well, the movement of the Vitas is pretty big. I know that you know having to do it manually was kind of a not a pain, but you know just another step in a in a time where you don't really have a lot of spare cycles to begin with. Yep. Uh, Myself covering DR for a long time. I think the the five point nineteen multi site replication is where <laughs> where I would deem the most interesting. Obviously, totally biased uh, to that. Uh, do one of you want to talk a bit about the the multi site? Yeah, I could I could take that, Dwayne. I think um, so. This is you know we've had multi site uh, replication built in for a while, right? But this has to do with the new, um, relatively new, you know. Um, 
uh, policy-based DR, right? As opposed to using protection domains and remote sites and things like that. That was sort of the, um, you know, the old way that we did DR with Nutanix. And so this is really bringing, I think, all of the, the functionality that's it's built in, you know, up to, so now you can do run books, you can set policies so that VMs are automatically added and, and protected rather than having to like manually add them to protection domains and things like that. Um, and one of the, um, one of the drawbacks, you know, up until 519 has been, you know, the requirement for multi-site. Like, so if you have a, you know, an, um, let's say a near sync, um, you know, site that's, that's relatively close, you need a really low RPO, but maybe it's too close that a disaster could take out both data centers. Now you can also do a longer RPO replication to a further data center further away. Um, you know, and that adds another layer of, um, of protection, right? Yeah. So like now with the multi-site re- replication, you can have like one, one virtual machine can be going from one cluster, say near sync to my other data center. And then I could have an async, maybe getting like an async replication going to my new shiny AWS cluster. Right. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. It's for your, yeah. And, and, you know, or to Xyleap, for example. Um, so yeah, it's really flexible whether you want to replicate to other data centers or to the cloud. That's a really great point. I think, um, two or one thing that was, well, I, I don't, you know, I guess it's depending where you, you land on it, but I always thought one of the great things with leap was that after you failed over that the policy switched back going back the other way. So you're kind of automatically protected, but I noticed now in the UI, there's an option to also change the, the snapshot retention, based on where the VMs recovered. So you can have a bit more control of if you want, like maybe different retention after failover. But, you know, if you're, if you have lots of storage, I guess you don't care. But uh, if you are running on the the new shiny all flash clusters, then maybe you're a bit more concerned. Yeah, the new NVMe stuff, perhaps. I mean, I think that's a really key point for Nutanix as a whole is that we try to make things really simple. Um, you know, not have to go through a bunch of hoops to, to get something done, but also to make it as configurable as possible because every, you know, every customer, every environment has different needs. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's critical having that control. So I see one, one on the list, uh, cross cluster live migration with leap. And so can someone boil that down to what that, what does that mean for, for Angelo if he decides to get back into the, the system in game? Um, so yeah, that, that, uh, is a feature that I think, um, is, is really critical for, um, especially for sync, uh, you know, synchronously replicated environments, you know, so if you have two, two data centers and you've got them pretty close together and you have your VMs, the, the data replicating, you know, in real time, because obviously it's, it's extremely critical where if you, you know, if you lose a data center, you need every single bit of data that was written in the first site, um, so what this now allows for is plan failover. So, um, you know, a lot of different scenarios, maybe, you know, there's some sort of maintenance going on on one site. And so you need to fail over your VMs um, in order to change out some, you know, power or something of those, you know, network um, updates, things of those, uh, you know, along those lines. Um, and you can do this now without even having to shut the VMs down. So, you know, um, so this is, this is a really critical uh, feature for, you know, for really mission critical workloads in particular. Yeah, probably, I guess, workloads that probably already have a dedicated cluster anyway, or at least for the whatever application 
subsets running on top of them. Probably probably spending a little bit of money to keep that thing up and running, especially if you're going to essentially have three to four copies of data <laughs> spread out everywhere. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, for, it's for, you know, those applications that are running the business, right? Um, so, yeah. Anything on the AOS side that you, you want to touch? There are, I know there are some other ones for AHV and, and Prism Central as well. So a couple of things on the AOS side that I can, I can talk about is, uh, and this is uh, on the low-level uh, geeky side of things, where uh, we've uh, Nutanix has been constantly been making changes and improving the, the stack to keep improving performance. And one of those aspects is uh, the way how Oplog is treated. And Oplog uh, is where Nutanix VMs write data, especially random writes. Uh, they go to this thing called Oplog, which is spread across multiple disks on every node. And initially, or till now, uh, the Oplog size was fixed uh, at six gigabytes per uh, per VDisk. Now we've had customers with uh, multiple VM uh, VMs with multiple VDisk, or even certain customers with uh, a monster VM with a giant VDisk. Uh, where they would have a case where the VDisk size uh, would be would get limited to that six gigabyte. So once it fills up that Oplog space, uh, it starts draining so that it can take in more I/O on the Oplog side. And now the drain performance has improved where uh, I/O is drained from Oplog to Extend Store, uh, but still the best performance you would get is is an Oplog. So with five nineteen, uh, we made changes where we dynamically grow the Oplog size. Uh, depending on how much Oplog index memory is huge, uh, used uh, on a per uh, VDisk basis. That way, if you have certain VMs and certain VDisk, which is getting much more sustained uh, right I.O., their Oplog sizes will keep growing and be able to uh, give a much better performance uh, versus previous cases. Now, when you perform the upgrade, do the existing virtual machines also get the benefit or there's some other steps that are needed or just upgrade and carry on with life? No. So once you upgrade, uh, the only things uh, that are required is the cluster should have AES, and this is enabled on only uh, AES-enabled uh, containers. So if those data requirements are satisfied, um, well, the, VDisk, uh, the way the VDisk grows is it's a first-come-first-serve basis. If the software determines that uh, there's sustained right I/O happening, and the VDisk wants to grow, and there's uh, index memory available, and it will start growing automatically. That's just like the Lesnar family Christmas buffet: first come, first serve, <laughs> and whoever gets to go first grows first too. So, yep, it's, uh, it's totally it's Christmas geared towards that. The uh, on that too. So AES, so that's still only all flash clusters, then correct? I uh, believe so, yes. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty interesting. I think, uh, I guess it'd be probably three years ago now, when doing some like Cloudera Hadoop benchmarking, that would have been a pretty great thing to, you know, increase the se- sequential throughput without <laughs> without having to do a lot of work. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's it's uh, as, as we've gone, gone along and learned more about different workloads, we're constantly optimizing uh, the software to identify these different workloads and take uh, proper steps accordingly. Dwayne, just to add one thing here is I think um, it's, you know, uh, a reflection of kind of like, uh, you know, most of our releases going back for pretty much forever that, um, you know, performance has been steadily increasing 
Um, you know, so you mentioned AES, that was a new, you know, local metadata, essentially architecture that enables better sustained throughput, right? And last release in 5.18, we released, um, you know, block store and SPDK. So for, you know, optimized NVMe performance, and then now with, you know, improved op log, uh, performance. And so this is one of the values of everything being software defined is that, you know, these are just, you know, you click a button and upgrade your, upgrade your cluster and you get a lot of, you know, new performance benefits out of it. Um, and uh, I know there's a lot of innovation still going into this. So we'll continue to be delivering really impressive performance enhancements. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an ongoing journey. And as, uh, as uh, Steve said, this has been going started from AES, Blockstore, SPDK. And then down the line, we're going to come up with uh, uh, other stuff and, and ring enhancements around performance uh, in the stack. Keeps the performance team busy because, you know, if AOS got the performance update, so did files at Nutanix, so did object storage, uh, at least from a, a throughput. So pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Yep. Um, on the Prism Central side, the, there was an update for for playbooks called Crosspilot, I believe. And I've been playing with playbooks quite a bit lately with um, with AWS clusters, just automating the hibernate and resume features. What uh, what's new about the this feature? Yeah, so uh, as the name suggests, Crosspilot. It's really you know autopilot essentially for your. Uh, for your, you know, infrastructure operations. So, um, you know, an example that uh, I like to use is if you have um, a database that you know is, um, you know, needs uh, free memory in order to perform well, let's say, um, you can you can configure such that if it, you know, goes above a certain threshold for a certain amount of time that it'll, it can automatically add, you know, a certain percentage or a certain amount of memory, and it can do this a certain number of times, for example. And of course, you can set constraints, so it's not just going to, you know, blow out and use everything that's available. Um, you know, and then, uh, and of course, it alerts the administrator and lets you know what's going on as admins having to get involved to take each individual action. Um, so, you know, it's... Yeah. So there, there are some safeguards in place then, I guess, like... That's always thing I, you know, when you try to automate something by yourself and you have a script, it's like, what, what happens if this thing runs multiple times? What happens if it, it starts running before the other one hasn't even finished? Like there's some bad things that you don't really think about till it, <laughs> you're faced with it. Yeah, it's true. And so, I mean, one of the beauties of, uh, you know, X play, right. Which is what, 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 or cross play was what cross pilot um, is is sort of built on top of um, is you know low code or or no code automation to start with to make it a little easier to um, you know to, to get a view of what your infrastructure is doing even if you don't know how to code um, and then the other aspect of it is you know I have a chance <laughs> you know I used to code but uh, I, if if you actually you know told me to go in and write a script it, uh, I have a feeling there'd be a few bugs in there that might lead to what you just suggested <laughs> but um. But yeah, but then there's a, you know, really clear UI with, you can set a max number of attempts. Um, you know, it's, it's right there called out, you know, uh, pretty, uh, pretty blatantly. So yeah, it makes it, makes it, I think a little easier to avoid shooting yourself in the foot. I think it goes back to the entire uh, thing about Nutanix being easy to use where, uh, 
admins might not want to or they might not need to know all the nitty-gritty details and make it easy to deploy and use these features. Yeah, you know, I think there's a little bit of forgiveness when you when you do something by mistake on-prem, but if you're using automated delivery in the cloud where you potentially have access to, like, obviously the cloud's not limitless, but it, it can be limitless depending on what your credit card's going to support. And if you have something that backfires drastically, that's a pretty rude awakening call. So yeah, yeah, I think I was, it's pretty good. Yeah, I was just going to say the only limit uh, on cloud side is how much your credit limit is on a credit card. Yeah, S- spend. You got to keep the economy going. Got to do your part. Um, yeah, I guess those those are the main ones that I wanted to cover. Are there any other kind of tidbits from the release that you guys found interesting? Yeah, let's see. I mean, you covered most of them. There's a few other things. So, you know, we we introduced a storage over provisioning widget um, back in, I believe that was 518. Yeah. Um, and so we've added some enhancements to that to make it just a little clearer. Um, you know, as you're getting close, you can set thresholds and, uh, you know, it, it, it it's uh, color coded and will fire off alerts and things like that as you as you start to approach a certain limit. And so what this has to do with, of course, is that Nutanix V-Discs um, are thin provisioned. You can reserve capacity, but, by, but um, you know, under the hood, everything is thin provisioned. And so you can therefore assign more capacity to VMs than is actually available in the cluster. Um, and this adds a, you know, a lot of value, but it can obviously get you into trouble. If everybody ends up using up all their capacity, um, you know, that could be problematic. So, so that, this helps to make it a lot easier to see what's going on on that front. Um, so that's, that's one. Again, continue to improve you know, usability of our storage side. And then um, another one is, is for flow, um, you know, the, the um, micro-segmentation functionality within AHV. Um, we've, we've added the ability, and again, this is an enhancement to a feature that was delivered in, in 5.18 um, for, you know, VDI policies. So the, the feature from 5.18 was where you could set up um, AD user groups. So if you have a new hire in HR, you add them to the HR user group, they get a VM. You know, that VM doesn't have access to, like, engineering networks, for example. Um, well, as if you have an engineer join, uh, you know, you add them to the engineering AD group and now they have access to all the engineering networks and so on and so forth. And maybe to other engineering VMs as well. Um, so we've enhanced that. So now you can also, um, add additional triggers to kind of, um, uh, you know, fine tune that a little more. So, it, you know, you can add string matching. So if particular VMs have a certain name, it'll, it'll uh, add those to, to flow, um, you know, to flow segments as well. So, you know, again, I think this is that combined with the KMS support for remote clusters, we're, you know, enhancing security for remote work, um, you know, given everybody's working from home these days and security again is, is more and more of a concern every day. So I think these are some pretty powerful features. Oh, why, why is that? Is something something going on? Why are people working from home? <laughs> this like being at home, Dwayne, now these days. All right. Well, there. I'll. Uh, I guess I'll. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, I would encourage all of the listeners to go uh, to the support portal. Go check out five dot nineteen ready for download and upgrade. And I was just kicking off my own Prism Central upgrade before uh, hopping on the podcast. So thanks, guys, for joining. Any uh, last words of wisdom to share? 
I mean, I would just say, yeah, go to the portal for release notes. And also, uh, we're going to be publishing a blog. It should go live today that uh, kind of goes through all these features as well. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having us, Dwayne. It's been been great, great joining you. Yeah, Dwayne, thanks for having us. You guys, yeah, thanks for attending. And you guys heard it first. Security flow policies, you can match by string, take your boss's string and block them from the network. <laughs> Have a great holidays, guys. Be sure to check out all the great content on the Nutanix community at next.nutanix.com. There you'll find our community blog, updates on Nutanix user groups, and of course, Nutanix certification and education information. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week.